fucked and I will fight you in a red Klingon jiu-jitsu suit <laughs> and then stab you in the heart. <laughs> Captain's Pod, Stardate 83, 23.1. Welcome aboard the Starship's Enterprise, and thank you for joining us as we take a brief shore leave from the world of cinema sins to explore the universe of Star Trek. I'm your Captain Ian Whittington, and with me today, he looks so realistic, it's Commodore Dicer. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I added a few pixels. I've been trying to been trying to remove some pixels, but uh, I was going to but... say, isn't the goal to usually remove some pixels from specific areas? Well, it depends. It depends on who you are and and, yeah. and where those areas are. But that's uh, true. That's true. Yeah, the, the the I appreciate the resolution uh, is coming through. Well, a slightly emptier bridge today. We don't have Ambassador Danae. She's been granted shore leave from shore leave. So this is meant to be shore leave <laughs> from sinning. She's been granted shore leave from doing this if if it helps i can kill a fish and put it in my freezer like if that if that will help oh my goodness. things we may lose listeners <laughs> <laughs> they will help people feel at home do you think you can add to the ambassador's chaos can you feel her chaotic boots no unfortunately week? i'm not the chaos machine uh the amazing chaos machine that she can be mm-hmm. um I, I can i can do twice the trolling of you if if you like you know like <laughs> Just don't don't find yoda in my bridge seat or something it's it's close. Like, oh, look, it was close it was close in the Ian, carpet it was close it, it was closer than i wanted it to be yes like, exactly so when i paused the episode I, so this is in the outtakes from last week. Oh, okay, no, all right. Is it in the outtakes? I don't know. No, no, no. No, it's in the show proper. I'm, I've literally paused editing to record this episode, <laughs> so who knows? Who knows, who knows what you're going to get time? to listen to last week? What, what is what existence? Is we don't know. Um. So no, last week, the Commodore saw a pixelated hexagonal Yoda in yes. the impulse engines of the Enterprise, and I actually paused on the right image oh, did you? and i couldn't okay, and you see, didn't it. see it okay yeah. and i didn't see it it was only when you brought up that specific frame and it doesn't it doesn't look like yoda by this point <laughs> you will have all seen this on twitter last week <laughs> listen i never said it i never said it looks exactly like yoda i'm just saying if you have if you if your brain <laughs> is willing to play some tricks on you you go wait a yeah. second is is that is that yoda in there I think there might be yeah. Yoda in there. No, I saw the Virgin Mary in there more than I saw Yoda. <laughs> well, that's your thing. So, I do, yeah, I, oh, yeah, I'm famous for seeing the Virgin Mary everywhere. <laughs> in my tea. Uh-huh. Amazing. Um, I do want to ask, a week out from last week's episode, I, I'm, I'm still, my mind is just still thinking about it and still spinning on how fun that episode was. Buzzing. How do you feel about it a week on? I'm buzzing, mate. Uh, Buzzing, mate, in it. Yeah, in it. It it was really good. Um, I I lament that it was so good because it was so unique. So it's not like something. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, you could do another crossover, and I would love the snot out of it. But I think part of what made it so much fun for me was how unique it was. So it's not like yeah. necessarily repeatable. But what is repeatable is the energy that says let's be creative let's do fun stuff let's you know stop trying to be csi or law and order and let's be strange new worlds and Mm -hmm. um or lower decks (laughs) let's be (laughs) another show as the case may be (laughs) um so yeah so i i had a good time with that very much that's awesome yeah i can't stop thinking about it my parents my parents listened to the show 
as the live recording as we were doing it and i was like why did you do that you haven't seen the episode yet <laughs> they haven't watched any strange new worlds or lower decks they know they watched one episode of lower decks with me and were like this is way too fast what's going on i don't understand what's <laughs> happening here but that even they were like we were so excited they want to now watch that episode and i was like well you got to get through some other stuff first but <laughs> yeah it, it was so much fun i hope it's not the last time we see something as ambitious as that in in the show for sure do you ever get annoyed at how normal people watch stuff <laughs> yes really like this doesn't matter to you you mean you didn't what, what you... do you mean you just jumped in halfway in the season what are what are you what's what planet <laughs> what are you from what do you mean you just went in and watched creed 3 you didn't watch yes. every rocky movie <laughs> leading up to it as well amazing well this week we're going to be covering season 2 episode 8 which by the time this episode comes out, who knows? This episode's probably been out for months by this point. But uh, it is Under the Cloak of War. Now, mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, as soon as I read the title, I was like, the Commodore's not going to be fully on board with this one. Let's have Maybe. a big prediction and a very specific prediction uh, based on that title. The big prediction is that uh, we're doing a war episode. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good. Maybe I should be more specific. There will be a battle. <laughs> War episode battle. Make making uh-huh. notes. Yes. 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 Um what are the the warring species in Star Trek? Like Klingons are a warring species, right? Klingon, I mean Ferengi? what we learned is that the Federation will go to war with everybody. The Ferengi <laughs> The Ferengi would be the the war profiteers. They'll be the arms dealers who mm. very rarely go into battle. Okay. Um, Romulans. Romulans. They're just very prideful, so they're going to war for their territory. Um, the Borg. I mean, hardcore gonography is <laughs> likely. That's like the war, quote unquote, that we've been looking at a lot. Um, the Zenkethi would be nice, but mm. that's, I mm. think, probably too much of a reach. My specific prediction is uh there will be a a a character in this episode who's a ginger (laughs) i'm trying to think is there anybody on the crew the gingers are underrepresented on this crew i'm telling you that's in star trek in general we have tilly and i think that might be that might be it who else am i missing is tilly the only ginger character (laughs) in star trek Well, there is some scientific basis for this. Uh, well, that they get bred out by yes. the 24th century? Yes. Well, naturally, uh, red is Be very... Careful, careful, no, no, no. This is a scientific study. Uh-huh. The, because of the way the genome works with the the uh, red hair... Lack of soul, yeah. <laughs> you said that, not me. <laughs> and you're allowed to, because you are a gender, yes. so you're allowed yes, to. Yes, I am not. I am not. <laughs> Uh, but no, there is something about how the percentage of red hair continues to drop and may be extinct by a certain year. So, um, yeah. If Damn. that is a conscious decision that has been yet to be noted by anybody writing Star Trek, I would be <laughs> That would be amazing, amazed, wouldn't it? Amazed. Because Gene Roddenberry explained why there were no bras in space. He just said there's no bras in space. You don't need them in the future. So I, I imagine he, has, he would have had an answer for, for this, the lack of gingers. Wait, so nobody wears a bra on any of the shows? Yeah, so I can't remember who asked this. It was somebody in the TOS days. It may have been... I can't remember. It may have been like a guest star or somebody. But they they were like, this 
outfit is really uncomfortable. Can we incorporate a bra? And he, he basically said, don't be silly. There's no bras in space. <laughs> <laughs> like, just in his head, we've evolved beyond the point for needing bras for whatever reason that might be, whether it's practical, um, aesthetically, comfort, whatever it is, there's no bras in the future. Disproven by Into Darkness with oh, a certain Carol Marcus. That's true. That's true. Always yeah. baffled me. Oh, the most annoying thing about that scene, by the way. <laughs> anyway, gingers and bras aside, um, let's head to ten forward. Or gingers um, out of bras. Aside. <laughs> aside from gingers out of bras, let's head over to the holodeck, watch the episode. We'll meet you all in ten forward for a full debrief. Two to be out. Welcome to Ten Forward, the part of the show where we grab a drink from the replicator and share our immediate thoughts and feelings about the episode we were just traumatized by. Most important question first: um, What is your beverage of choice, or whatever you like, actually? Uh, something that doesn't look like internal organs. Uh, <laughs> actually, that yep. jambalaya. That jambalaya looked great. I'll have some of that jambalaya. Mm, I'll have some of the Delton Parsley because I love things that you just put an alien planet's name in front of but still call it Parsley. <laughs> That's right. Yes. That's an amazing Star Trek trick. All right, Dicer, let's um give us a synopsis. Oh, I get to do the synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta I gotta surprise somebody this week. <laughs> Uh, okay, the synopsis is, hey, look, there's a Klingon guy coming. Turns out he's connected to a couple of our people who are in the war together. Remember how they took drugs and became amazing fighters? Well, that's because they were introduced during a war with the Klingons in a place called Jagar. And that is what happens next is that the guy comes on board and they're like ah war stuff i think i'm a terrible person now and nobody should ever root for me because i'm a murderer the end okay uh <laughs> is that close enough i love that you got Danae's tone as well um <laughs> i tried not, i tried not quite the same level of chaos and jumping around like it I was know. i understood what was happening so it wasn't it wasn't an ambassador um synopsis uh -huh. um yeah, a war criminal comes on board um, as a diplomat, and and we explore the history of Mbenga and Chapel. Overall thoughts and feelings. Oh, I'm just. Uh, I I thought it was a really bold choice to do um, two lower decks crossover episodes in a row, <laughs> and I loved it. I I was so glad to see the lower decks crew again, and. Yeah. Oh, wait, am I living in my fantasy delusion where the show uh -huh. is interesting and exciting? Yeah. Um, oh, it was interesting. Oh, was it now? Was oh, okay, it interesting? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I did not enjoy this episode. Uh, let's just say that and we can get into the yeah. details if you want to. But I, I just, you know, um, man, I, I did not see anything new here. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. It's a bit of a bummer. I... I'm always I love Star Trek going for the heavier stuff. I do. Sure. However, Star Trek does it best when, for me, when it you don't realize it's doing it, <laughs> like it kind of slips it in there. So I'm going to make a big comparison to The Wounded, which is an episode of TNG where our favorite engineer um, O'Brien, who's kind of like a not he's a recurring character, but he's not in it anywhere near as much as like obviously Data, Beverly, etc. Mm -hmm. And uh, his old captain has gone rogue, and he kind of gets brought to the forefront because 
they served together during a war with the Cardassians. And now O'Brien, who has all of this built-up rage against the Cardassians, has to help the Federation and the Cardassians hunt down his old captain. Was he able to keep up? Because I've heard they're hard to keep he, up with. Uh, <laughs> the, he, the, was. <laughs> the Cardassians. he was. Okay, he was. He, he kept up with the Cardassians very well. <laughs> okay, good, good. And... It, the, the episode does a great job because this is a war that was like years ago and nobody on the Enterprise really served in it. So it's just, it's O'Brien battling with his demons, but we're still surrounded by our crew and stuff. The comparison here is that this episode is just all their narrative and all in there and all in the pain and in the flashbacks. Like in that episode of TNG, we don't get any flashbacks. O'Brien explaining what that war made him and the best line he says i don't hate you cardassians i hate what i became because of you and i just think that episode like if you want this theme go and watch the wounded because that that just shows this arc for me so much better whereas this Mm -hmm. feels like it's living in the trauma and living in the look how shitty war is and look what it does to Mm -hmm. people it's missing that element of hope and Mm -hmm. kind of what star trek does for me yeah, it's a hope show, right? Isn't Star Trek supposed to be a hope show? I, I, I know, I, and is it not supposed to be? I don't. It's I don't supposed know. to be optimism, hope in in looking at the best in people. And listen, let me make a couple things clear. Number one, the trauma of war is real, and anything mm-hmm. we say today during this episode is not meant to make light of that. To say that's not important. To say that's not something we need to wrestle with. To deal with. We're talking about an entertainment series that we've enjoyed that is trying to do something a little bit darker, a little bit deeper. We understand that. But um, but I, I, I want to say from the beginning, mm. just because I didn't like how this episode handled it, that doesn't necessarily translate to the real world ideas. Exactly. Of, yeah. Um, you know, coming back from you know, killing people and having Mm. to exist in a world where your government sent you to kill people and you killed them. And now you have to deal with the ramifications of that. Like that's suddenly that government is telling you to work with the person that you were sent to kill. (laughs) Like I, all of that stuff is, is real and it is worth exploring. But yeah, I agree. We're just saying we don't like how we did it. The second foundation I want to lay is that I think this episode did try to say something uh, something good about the idea of privilege, that optimism can come from a place of privilege. I am aware of that in my own life. A lot of my optimistic tendencies, my movement towards forgiveness, pacifism, hope, all of those things come from a place of privilege. That privilege being, I don't exist in a world where I have to murder to stay alive or murder to yeah. save a friend or murder mm-hmm. to, you know, whatever. Or kill, I should say kill. I know that it's the semantic distinction between yes. murder and, yeah. and kill is important. Um, and so I, I understand that when the show says those things, that there is something interesting it's doing. However, I think when we come to pieces of entertainment, we come to them for different reasons. And that is, again, the subjectivity, the, uh, the relationship each of us has to our entertainment, to our content. I don't come to this show to feel darkness or traumatized or sad about the state of war 
I come to Star Trek in general and this show specifically to think about what it could be. What's the optimistic yeah. view of what the world might look like? What does it look like when we do start to drop prejudices and understand the hope that comes with redemption and forgiveness and the, that that the ideas of nobody is beyond forgiveness are valuable ideas to at least think about, if not embrace. And this episode was interested in saying the opposite. Yes. Uh, that's that's not crucial. why I came here. And 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 therefore, I didn't get uh, the show that I thought I was being presented mm -hmm. and I did not have... Um, I don't have much good to say uh, about the episode. Yeah, I'm tempted to just do a general discussion here rather than break it into good and then sure, silly sins and just have a general... Because it, it, it is a heavy topic and I don't think Star Trek should shy away from it. But I agree no, no, I agree with you completely that it, for me, this episode didn't focus on the interesting thing, which is how do you move on, how do you forgive, and how do you work with this diplomat who actually quite interesting interestingly has become a diplomat under false pretenses and a false mm -hmm. narrative correct instead it spent two thirds three quarters of its runtime convincing me how traumatizing war is and convincing me how much trauma specifically in benga and chapel have gone through i didn't need convincing of that it felt right. like it it wallowed and sat in that space of the battle and the 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 patience and the war crimes and all of all of that that they sat in in the flashback and i'm like why are we here after the fourth time we've gone back to it what more do i need to learn from this moment and that's not what i, I didn't come to star trek for this war epic I'll, I'll watch deep space nine which which quote unquote snuck it in with the dominion war yeah. and whatnot we had plenty of it there but I'll, I'll go and watch like a, a war drama or something correct i want that philosophical debate like give me more time with the war criminal diplomat do right. like have more conversations with him make something more interesting in the present to talk about um and i think that's the big miss like people uh generally gen generally see overwhelmingly positive reactions to this episode online and I, I get it it's dealing with something big it's taking a big swing it's not apologizing for dealing with war and and how you move on from that but i just think it could have done it better if it just focuses focuses on the philosophy rather than the war aspect i i have a um a distrust of the general conversation around strange new worlds right now and uh that probably just comes from disagreeing with a lot of it and that's that's mm -hmm. a natural thing i'm not saying people are wrong i'm just saying i i look at some of the love of these episodes and i'm thinking man i think people are just really happy to have a star trek show that's getting attention I, and look, i'm right there i i agree because there we've had such a drought of star trek for so mm -hmm. long and i've always made this comparison when a friend at uni that when i was like 21 said what is the difference between star wars and star trek fans and mm. my very reductive 21 year old brain was because this was the time that the the sequel the star wars sequels were coming out mm -hmm. my my very immature brain said star wars fans are very critical of kind of everything that comes out but they still watch it star trek fans are happy for anything mm -hmm. <laughs> we're just kind of like oh we're getting some more that's great yeah because somehow star trek seems to be always seems to be on the fringe despite having so much content 
it's still this fringe thing compared to Star Wars. It really is. It's it's been very interesting to see such a successful property and such a beloved property maintain its fringe status. That's a very yeah. interesting thing about uh, it's Star Trek. Now you could say the J.J. Abrams movies broke through in a different way, maybe More than, than some anything of the, else than yeah. than other things did. And I think Strange New Worlds is kind of breaking through in some interesting ways. And I think mm -hmm. that's that's exciting. And I get it. And I'm glad for the happiness. But I what I see in this second season is an absolute mess of programming. I don't understand mm -hmm. how anybody put this season together like like this. That this uh, is uh, yeah. That this follows <laughs> the crossover episode. Like I'm just I it, it's it's wild to me some of the places this show is going. Um, and maybe for for some people that's good. Uh, Ian, I have to, I have to ask you some questions. Okay, that's a great place to start. Let's yeah. Because I I don't understand what I just saw, and I'm trying mm -hmm. to rest. I went back and rewatched it, and I still don't understand. Is this show is saying Bang is a murderer, right? Like he murdered this guy. <sighs> it's um, it's meant to be ambiguous, but it's not doing a good job of being ambiguous. So okay, the setup, the text on, like, this is what I thought. I thought maybe mm. down the lot. I mean, there's what two episodes left, and I hear one's a musical. Yeah, nine and ten. Next so, next like, week is a musical. <laughs> so we've got a hey, musical. You couldn't have the musical back to back with the lower decks crossover. That would be too silly. Which makes so, me wonder how depressing is episode ten if they right, have to break what is it the up. Finale. What is the finale? <laughs> so I don't think. I mean, maybe the finale will deal with this. And maybe the finale will be gone. You know what? You know It'll what the finale gone. is, Ian? You know what the finale yeah. is? Write it down. The finale <laughs> is, ends with Mbenga getting taken away so we can have another court episode at the beginning of season three <laughs> to solve what happened with this murder. Uh, I, I listen, I, I went back and watched it. It is purposely vague in some ways. The text of this episode, there is no indication that he had to kill this man. There is no indication that this man was threatening him. In, no. in any way. Not in this no. episode. We may get a flashback that shows us what happens behind the screens and the guy pulls a knife or <sighs> a gun or something. I, yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Still don't know that that would change my mind on what happened here because he clearly goes to that box to get that knife. He is clearly dealing with trauma in a way uh, where stabs he... in the heart. <laughs> he, he stabs him in the heart. Um, it is confusing also because Chapel comes around the corner and I think we're supposed to think she sees the figures behind the the fog glass. But then glass, she's on the other side of the screen. then she's on the other side of the yeah. glass immediately. That was weird it, framing. It cuts directly to her being in the room. And I, yeah. so I just, I, I wonder if something else was supposed to happen there and then it just got notes or edits or something. Yeah, um, it either wasn't directed very effectively or was butchered in, in editing somehow. Butchered? Because I get it. That, I get it. <laughs> I didn't, but yeah, I am the butcher of this episode. Uh, so, the, I mean, the setup is he's opening, he has the dagger ready. Right. And he's at least contemplating, I'm just going to have to kill you. Because he keeps saying, why did you have to come here? Why couldn't you have just left me alone? Almost as if, now that you're in front of me, I have no, and you keep pressing in. I have no choice but to kill you. And then we cut to this struggle that is instigated by uh, Ra. He puts his hand on Mbenga's shoulder, but it is so unclear how that conversation suddenly gets violent and physical. I, I, other than Mbenga turns around with a it's, knife. It's, it's weird. It's weird because 
The likely thing is they're going to make it an accident somehow. Somehow it's going to be, oops, you slipped into your heart, slipped into my knife. Like that somehow yeah. that's that's the only way I see them doing it long term. The problem is completely neuters this episode. Then, like, yeah. like it, 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 it's just it's this weird thing where they it's put so themselves in, in that strange situation where where we have a character who has either now murdered someone because of war trauma or later on we'll find it was an oopsie and he just wanted to show him that he was like look see I was the I was the butcher I just wanted to show you let me show you in your aorta yes <laughs> I hear that's how Klingons smell right. things let, 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 the let me show your right chamber <laughs> yeah and I wonder if it's is I mean, if it is this, the show doesn't do a good job of telegraphing it. Is it that Ra wants to kill Mbenga now that he knows Mbenga knows the secret? And does he see Mbenga as a threat to his status within the Federation? He might, but that's not in the text of this episode. Doesn't tell us that, because maybe then he reached for the knife. But we just, we don't... And there's, there is a fine line between letting us make our own judgment, assessment, conclusion, whatever... And not signposting us to where the show wants us to be. And I think it signposts us pretty heavily towards Mbenga did it. Especially considering the end. The very last moment of this episode is his log saying some things break in a way that can't be repaired. Yeah. You know, and he's clearly the metaphor is that he has broken in a way that mm -hmm. can't be repaired. And then the machine that he just fixed has another error light pop up. You know, yeah. I was surprised it didn't say Gorn error, uh, as obvious <laughs> as it was. Um, yeah. Or suddenly but, flash up in like Klingon text. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the the indication from that is Mbenga mm. is a broken machine and is malfunctioning. That that is the metaphorical text we're being yeah. given by how this episode ends. So uh, I mean, it's it is hard to do the Hippocratic thing isn't it? It's really hard to see him as a do-no-harm. And maybe that's an interesting element of, like, the War Doctor stuff. But for me, the, the, where I really got lost with it was when Pike comes to sickbay and says, look, you tell me about this. And it's a very Picard maneuver mm -hmm. thing to do. Yeah. Is to come out and just say, between me and you, we'll fight this together. I'm on your side. Tell right. me what's going on here. And he's done that with Worf and, like, with a silent nod understood what's going on. The fact that Mbenga says I'm I didn't start the fight, but I'm not sorry it started made me think, wow, maybe maybe Rod did start the fight. Because that's a very loaded line. That's an admission of I'm glad he gave me the opportunity to kill him. That's what really sent my head into a spin because I was like, so what actually happened in that scene then? But it's just it's either deliberately misdirecting us or it, the episode's trying it too is deliberately hard misdirected. There's to, no exactly. doubt it's, it's deliberately misdirected. misdirected. Yeah. yeah, there's there's no doubt that they they you know will want their Klingon cake and eat it too. And like eat it they, too. You know, they 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 want both things to be available to them. But yeah, I, yeah. I just for this whole episode to just be about you know leading us to this place is so it's just so not what i want from this sh like again yeah. it again brings in oh all right here's mbenga's overarching you know story that now we're gonna have to deal with in so yeah. many more episodes and it's or like maybe we don't how many <laughs> maybe we don't we're we're eight episodes in how many strange new worlds have we visited ian how many yeah. strange new worlds have we visited like we visited a strange new ship like the um the the Kelsey May was strange. That was 
<laughs> sounds like a very. It sounds like that ship's from Alabama. That's a Kelsey May. <laughs> the Kelsey May. Um, um, yeah, yeah, I no, I'm 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 with you, and it's it's so tricky because it's almost like they're worried we wouldn't get it if they didn't dedicate this episode to the flashbacks and specifically Mvenga mm. and Chapel and having a good chunk of setup in the back end of the first episode. Like now, the first ep- the first the second half of the first episode is basically part of this episode. So why do we need that? If you're also going to do a full episode flashback here as well, like it was too much. It's almost like they were worried we wouldn't believe this emotion uh, unless they dedicated this much time to it. And I was like, no, I'll believe you if you write it. It's like the with O'Brien, we didn't know a lot about the Cardassian War and his part to play in it. They just allowed him to tell us on screen and we believe it because those are the words and that's how tv works we're not there for every single moment we can't be there for every single moment in these people's history so you've got to do it with words and monologues so it's just it's uh, maybe it's a more trying to be a more broad appeal like we'll appeal to more people if we spell this out and show them exactly what we're talking about here's, here's the here is one of the things about the flashbacks for me is Again, one of the things I, I come to for Star Trek in general, in this show for specifically, is this idea of cool explorations of both sci-fi and the moral, moral ramifications of human, uh, human growth mm. and um, ethical evolution, right? Like, I come to it for those things. The first part of that, cool sci-fi stuff, like, show me how the future might work and how it might be interesting. All those flashbacks could have been in saving private ryan like there was other yes. than like uh, injured people being teleported to the the doctors transported it's fine instead of being on on carts what's what did you i'm sorry with transport Tran- transport Trans- not teleport no no, no that's fine i listen it's a, <laughs> Transporta- transportation <laughs> transporters are a form of teleportation right like they, this they, is they they are but it's my my the 10 year old in me whenever another kay, sci-fi kay. show would say oh the ship's got teleporters no it doesn't it has transporters okay Doctor fair enough. who would fair do enough. this yes fair <laughs> enough fair enough so aside from the uh the matter transfer uh of devices the, the, i'll accept the that. whole thing it, yeah. it, it's really just Tri- it's war triage. That's all we're seeing. There's nothing mm-hmm. like interesting or new. I mean, I guess maybe like, oh, we didn't get our organ replicator shipment in. So, you know, but show me something. Show me something cool. Show me how war is different in you yeah. know, the future. And- it's, not, it's tense. <laughs> it's intense. That's that. War in the future is intense. In, in both terms, in both yes. meanings of the word. I mean, the transporter thing is interesting, like a way of protectors. We can't do much with this person now, so we'll stick him in the transporter buffer, and it kind of puts a pause button the on their condition. Thing That's interesting. Was interesting, yes, yeah. but it also asks so many more questions than it answers. Which oh, is, of course, just put them all in there, and triage is not a thing anymore, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> you, no, you just you can uh-huh. do tri- you can do triage on a spreadsheet, and then go, okay, bring this one out. <laughs> you can- Oh my goodness, you could. You literally could. Just transport them all into the buffer. It auto-populates. And it auto-populates. And you're just like, okay, we're ready for this one specifically now. Um, Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. But no, you're right. And there are these kind of, I don't want to say cheap, but I am going to say cheap 
the guy who they save goes back to war, comes back dead, shock horror. It just, it did feel cheap. It did feel really paint by numbers in terms of this Private Ryan war drama thing that we've seen before. And it's not to belittle the situation. It's just, man, you laying it on thick in this episode. I, yeah. I, that, that didn't convince me any more of what they've been through. I get it. War sucks. I don't get it. I haven't been there. But I, I, I get it in this context. War sucks. I, it's just such an interesting thing to spend all of your all of your time proving to me. And in a real world way, again, just so we say it clearly several times, we are both privileged enough yeah. to have never no understand yeah. what that means and how that, that would impact us. Like, that's, you know, mm-hmm. nothing we have. It sounds like the episode you were talking about handles this same thing so much better with a little bit of hope with a little bit of optimism it does because at the end of the episode like o'brien so this captain goes on like a a rampage how is that episode not called saving private o'brien how was that (laughs) how is that not (laughs) yep yeah because that movie didn't exist yet maybe i don't know but 1991 that the wounded came out okay so so that was was before that was before saving private ryan yeah yeah, man So Saving Private Ryan would have stolen from Saving Private O'Brien. That's yes, amazing. exactly. Um, but at the end of that episode, like this captain is convinced that the Cardassians are looking to start the war again. And that's why he's taking his ship and he's killing civilians that he thinks are doing... He, he kills this... He blows up this civilian vessel that he thinks is carrying this advanced like weapon or scanner thing that's going to kick off right. the war again. And O'Brien sees him kill civilians, and he's like, I, I empathize with this man, but I cannot let him do this anymore. And he beams over, they have a heartfelt chat, uh, they talk about it, and O'Brien's just like, what you're doing, regardless of what the Cardassians did to you, this isn't right. And the ambiguity at the end of that episode is Picard goes to the Cardassian captain and says, that ship was carrying uh, this scanning device, wasn't mm-hmm. it? And the Cardassian just like, well, I don't know what you mean. And Picard's just like, we scanned it and we know. So that captain was right, but they all agree that he still has to be stopped. And mm. like that's how you handle it. Go and watch mm-hmm. The Wounded. Compare that episode to this and tell me this episode is doing a good job with this subject. And I will mm. fight you in a red <laughs> Klingon jiu-jitsu suit <laughs> and then stab you in the heart. Because you're wrong. You sure, you sure you're ready for full contact? Ian, full contact, sure. I am. Put, let me put my cane down for a second <laughs> while I do some martial arts. Jeez. By the way, uh, to throw some love at some things, um, Robert Wisdom's great. I, I love... Oh, Han... Yeah. I absolutely. love him Incredible. in this. Uh, I love... Uh, most recently in Barry. He has a great mm-hmm. role in Barry that I've really, really enjoyed. And of course, was in The Wire as well. Um, but yeah, Robert Wisdom is, is great. It's always fun to see Clint Howard pop up in something i was gonna say did you recognize him oh that's yes. great oh, yes that's yeah. great um, yeah definitely so for those that don't know he is a, a seven-year-old version of this gentleman played um one of the most iconic aliens in tos mm, so mm-hmm. that big green alien that you think of if you've seen tos and is in a lot of the closing credits turns out to be this seven-year-old alien adult person um and it's him as a seven-year-old and his performance is so good i thought he was an adult but was a little person that was playing a child like he's so good in that episode Mm -hmm. um and yeah he's he's in this one there's a nice little tos callback 
Yeah, I always love it when uh, Clint Howard shows up, uh, especially if it's not in one of his brother's movies. Uh, I'm always just like, ah, he probably earned that part instead of that nepotism <laughs> thing. <laughs> nepotism. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I did like that. That's a nice bit of stunt casting. Um, and yeah, the Klingon ambassador is he the diplomat. He does a great job. Like, I want to spend more time with the war criminal. Like, the way he talked and the way he presented himself was way more interesting to me than the war stuff that I already knew. Uh, um, I do want to talk about the nerd in me wants to talk about the Kelsey May as well. It's a very pretty ship that I hope we get a model of sometime. Okay. Like really interesting. Does it annoy weird. you so much that I don't even pay attention? Like the, the ships just oh, it doesn't go, annoy like, me. No, I, it doesn't annoy me at all. Like, I just you know you're not a true fan. I could not, I could not tell you a <laughs> single thing about what the Kelsey May looks like. Like that's just like that's like an establishing shot. That would that's be like amazing. asking me to say like, what does the sign to the high school look like when they establish that they're <laughs> they're going into the high school? Oh, like, I, I couldn't unsee it. Like it's got that really weird pointed. Um, and I know I'm, I'm weird in that way. I know Star Trek fans love the ships, and Star do, Wars fans love do. their ships too. But like I, that's just never. I'm also not a car guy, so maybe that's part of it too. Is like I don't have that thing in me. Yeah. For me, it's the DeLorean thing. It's the iconic ships are just fucking cool. Okay, and cars are cool. Um, <laughs> I'll take your word the, for it. It's the one thing where I'm a bit of a meathead about it. I'm just like cars are cool. I want a car. Um, but yeah, this ship is like just got an interesting design with the single nacelle, uh, like kind of diamond saucer section, which I know is a contradiction. Um, but yeah, really, really pretty ship. I like doing something new than just saucer section plus glowy sticks on the side. I like it when they mm -hmm. do something new. Um, there was an interesting moment where linking back to the transporter buffer thing, and this is going to end up being a criticism again, <laughs> because they store a person in the transporter buffer, which is interesting because it kind of informs how Mbenga developed that technique to save his daughter in season sure. one. Call yep. back I didn't need, call forward I didn't need necessarily, <laughs> but I, I get it, fine, we like doing that stuff. We have, I think, 3.2 seconds to wrestle with the idea of deleting this person before an Mbenga-sized hand just goes, delete. There's nothing in that moment. And I wonder if that's like deliberate because you have to make a split decision. But also for me, that's an interesting debate. Like we have, it's the, it, oh, it's literally the shop, the train trolley dilemma, isn't it? Like a hundred people will die if I do nothing. But mm -hmm. if I choose to kill this one person, I'll save a hundred people. And it's the moral right. ambiguity of making that choice. Yes, he, he made the right choice, but we spend zero time in that moment. Did that feel weird to you or... Were you just like, okay, he died? Yeah, I, it didn't. I mean, yeah, it was just, it was, again, all part of the triage of it all, um, which is, uh, again, something I'm privileged enough to not to have to deal with the idea of who lives and who dies. Mm. So, yeah. For me, it just felt like an in, a possibly interesting thing to, to sit in and a Star Trek dilemma that they created that just went zip, gone straight away. And maybe it's to indicate that Chapel is struggling with the decision because she's just got there and Mbenga has been there for so long. This isn't even for him, it's just a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> like for yeah. Chapel, it's the most important decision of her life. Yeah, yeah just it, it, I would have liked to be more time in that moment, I think. Um bu -bu -bu, what else did we have? I did have like kind of one kind of big sin, which was at the beginning when Ortegas is doing her rant to Uhura about List doing the the laundry list of crimes that Ra has committed. Oh yeah, that he's standing behind me, isn't he? Cliche. <laughs> <laughs> and how long, how interminably long Uhura lets that continue 
number one lets that continue instead of just captain on the bridge like <laughs> it goes on for so uh-huh. long yeah. it was so yeah. cringy cliche I, I had that i had that as well um anything else you wanted to cover off about the episode i don't know that i've ever noticed uh again this is coming from somebody who just admitted they don't even notice what the ships look like mm-hmm. but i don't i don't know that i've ever noticed that whatever replicator or creator thing they're using for that mm-hmm. beverage that the ready yeah, noise synthesizer Yep. The synthesizer, the, the ready noise is just the, the kitchen timer, uh, the egg timer bell. <laughs> like, just like this old, like, 20th century. Yes. Well, there's a reason know. for that. That sound effect comes from the t- from TOS. Like, that's the yeah, sound no, effect no, no. that they've reused. Yeah, Correct, correct. I just think that's, that's funny to hear it, it continue yes. on as just like, yeah, that's what, because all of my appliances now sing me a song when they're done. Yes. They're like, yes. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> the washing machine does it yeah it's like yeah it would be like hearing alexa's voice i guess on like the ship's computer oh we're still using alexa in the 2300s oh that's amazing that's great um i did have like one kind of interesting again an interesting thing that the the episode barely scratched the surface of and that is that the federation very quickly and happily uses a klingon war criminal as a diplomat for peace. Now, there is, for me, that feels like the the United Kingdom hiring Goebbels after World War II to mm-hmm. be a peace envoy for the UN. Like, that, it stretches me beyond belief. Like, we yeah. wouldn't have been having any Nazis. And that's what the Klingons are represented as in this. They are the, the right. bad guys. They're the Nazis. Using one of, I know we used them as scientists. That's apparently fine. But using them as diplomats for peace does feel like an allegory too far. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I can't imagine a society doing that. Um, the argument for it possibly in Star Trek, again, is that the Federation is forgiveness forward, optimism forward, like the, that it would be a purposeful choice to tell that story of even the worst of the worst. But it doesn't make sense on a, a human level at all or on a... No. Uh, emotional level at all to put like a somebody... a war crimes tribunal is just Correct. not a thing. Are we do, do we just not do them? Because killing civilians yeah. is frowned upon. I, I know that much about war. You don't you don't tend to do that. Mm-hmm. I can talk a little bit about uh, Mbenga and Chapel, and mm-hmm. that I think we're supposed to feel something for their relationship, even in the flashbacks even though they barely know each other in the flashbacks. Like, she just meets him yeah. within a couple days, a day of the... Maybe the same day, as well, far as I know. know like how long that right, is. Maybe it right. was longer than days. But what I'm saying is the show does not do a good job of showing us why they are so tightly connected, right? Yeah. Now, you could say, listen, war connects people, war brings a bond. Yes, but it does so for specific reasons. It does mm. so because you're cooped up in a foxhole together using gallows humor to keep each other yeah. in some sort of spirits or, you know, uh, there there is an actual relationship that develops during war because nobody else can understand what you understand. That is probably what we're just supposed to believe happens here, but we don't really see it. We never see Mbenga and Chapel finding that spark of this is why they, they you know, the war brought them together so strongly. And I yeah. feel like this episode's missing that. I feel like if you wanted to do this thing, I feel like that's part 
of kind of what we wanted to see. But instead, it just goes, here are the ingredients. See, it's a cake instead of showing us, you know, <laughs> Agreed. exactly no, how agree. that happened. So. Um, yeah, here's ingredients in the oven. I assume things happen in between yeah. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. to get to the cake. But uh, And maybe it happens after this moon, but the episode one refers pretty exclusively to the events that happen on this moon. Mm-hmm. So, um, But she doesn't even use the super soldier serum on mm-hmm. this moon so maybe that happens later in the war but maybe. it feels it does feel clumsily put together um you're, you're the resident hey i don't like spock and chapel so <laughs> how did the spock and chapel play into stuff this week which continues of course it, it continues. does of course it does because this show can't help itself i mean it's it's not a surprise at this point they are they are clearly making that a through line of the season and mm. that's what they want to do so you know go for it you make the show you want to make and Have i'll enjoy it. the different show that you didn't make um, for me it's 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 frustrating how bad they are together <laughs> like this isn't a partnership this isn't even this is barely a friendship and i get it spock is spock is different it's hard but there's no bonding or chemistry between them for me and maybe i'm asking too much to have chemistry with a vulcan but i've was, seen it happen was it supposed to be funny that he was like i got this and then was like hey tell me about the art no, of war sincere. And really... sincere right it didn't it didn't read comedy to, to be me funny at all no. but unintentionally it kind of is yeah funny a little bit <laughs> it's, it's like hey weird. you know we're talking about peace let's talk about war instead but yeah it, it got stuck in that middle area where i didn't crack a smile and chapel's reaction was almost like oh thank you that is better yeah <laughs> yeah i didn't know it was i think it was it was supposed to be compassion we were supposed to see compassion yeah in spot strange and I to just, me yeah it felt weird to me as well yeah uh, i do <laughs> i am kind of baffled that they let mbenga fight Ra. Like, you excused Mbenga from dinner and you're fine with them going hand-to-hand in jujitsu or whatever mm-hmm. it is. It's just that. It's a classic Star Trek thing of the the men kind of sort out their problems in some kind of futuristic combat-style thing. Kirk and Spock do it. Riker and his dad do it. it Clay, Worf does it all the time. Cool, fine. But it's in this case, it seems like an odd way to work out your trauma. Uh, I don't... I mean... That that is there, so that we get more of them combating, so that it doesn't make yeah. the murder feel completely out of nowhere later. Even though, does it? <laughs> I mean, what did you need? Yeah. I did have a thing. I did have a thought uh, as I c- continue pondering that w- the weird editing of mm. that scene. I wonder if in the original, this is complete conjecture. I have not read anything that that says this at all um i haven't read anything about this episode at all uh i wonder if originally chapel was in the room and saw everything and was meant to have lied about what she saw to Mm. protect her friend yeah and then they thought uh let's protect chapel a little bit more let's not make her party to murder um let's shoot because that the the thing that's out of place is that fogged glass correct thing it's just a cut to fog screen yeah let's shoot we don't even have to get the actors to do it let's just shoot a couple people behind fogged glass and make it look like she didn't see what happened and i'm wondering if if that was the product and that's why the only cut they had was to her being in the room yeah because they had to add the fogged glass thing later lose that 
lose that. Just have her come around the corner and then leave it super ambiguous. Like then cut. To but him I think she needs dead. to hear. They need her to hear something from that conversation. She needs. There's a piece yeah. of information or proof that she has to have in her mind for later that they needed to make sure was planted there. So they couldn't just have her come a come around the corner to a dead person. They had to have her yeah. bear witness in some way. Um, so. Yeah, I'm just, I'm it's just so, wondering. I'm so just conjecturing. Weird. It's just very, very weird. No, I get it. It feels like a really, really weird choice. Um, yeah. I mean, while we're on that moment, I, if at any point we ever see a recording from Sick Bay, it's gonna came to show a million sins. Because I know, I know, Laan says the internal scanners, the internal movement detectors, or whatever. Sick Bay has movement detectors. Fine, that confirms the order of the story but that is the loosest proof you could ever conjecture or kind of put together the no lack cameras. of a video record of what happens in sick bay is ridiculous it's just it really nonsense is. it's absolute complete nonsense that we all just have to suspend our disbelief about because it's a big one I have cameras in my common rooms. I am in, you know, 2023. Yeah. Like, this is not hard to do now, let alone And there are so then. many reasons you would want this Especially as well. There. You would want this surveillance. Yes, yeah. At, at the very least, engineering, um, the bridge, sick bay. You mm -hmm. have cameras there because you have so many sensitive things that happen. Um, it and the, and the fact that Laan addresses it means they know what they pulled. They, they know, know they the know. disbelief. Yeah. They know that they would know. be thrown up. So observing the sin does not excuse you from it, my friend. Speaking of which, for being black black ops, these guys sure do talk loud. Uh, <laughs> Hang a lantern on it. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, amazing. Um, maybe this episode will age differently going forward, but I would. Oh, clearly we're coming back to this. Clearly there I will be an episode so. to talk about. If there is not an episode to talk about Mbenga's guilt or innocence of m murder for the audience, I don't know what's going on. Like I, mm. I will not understand what the even more what this episode was trying to do. The, clearly they have to come back to this. Uh, otherwise. Other, unless Mbang is a villain now, and like, and I don't think that's the message that this episode is trying, you know, to say. But I mean, you, other than I, I, it's either saying that or it's saying it's okay to kill somebody as long as they killed more people than you. Correct. Did. I should say murderer, not villain. But yeah, yeah, it, yeah it, it's, it's tricky. Yeah, for sure. Like selective murder is okay without. I mean, maybe a that maybe just, maybe that process. maybe that is just the pacifist in me coming through. Maybe it's hard for no, me to understand justified. Uh, justifiable homicide, especially in an instance where you go to a box to get a knife against yes. somebody who has shown <laughs> zero threat to you the entire time yeah. they've been there. Unless, so. unless he was showing the knife to prove he was the butcher, but it's... I. It, oh, I think that's what we're supposed uh, to believe. That, yeah. that is what we're supposed to believe again, if it comes to be an accident, which I think it will, this is my prediction, is that it will mm. be an, you know, an accident somehow, um, then, yeah, I think we're supposed to believe that he was just like, see, you're lying because I have the knife because I was the butcher. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I'd be interesting to, interested to see the next episode where Klingons turn up and see how they how they handle it because I'll be, mm -hmm. I mean, rightfully, we'll be watching Chapel and, and Banger like a hawk. Did did they not know he was on board? They both acted shocked when he walked through that door. Like they had no clue they he was knew. coming on board. They absolutely knew. They just didn't know he was coming into sick bay at that moment. Okay. 
Um, yeah, I can give him that the, a little bit, but the burn was unexpected, wasn't it? They got yeah. sick bait quicker because he burned himself in ten forward. Yeah. Okay. So we're not going to do a um, was it in the trailer? Because to my the best of my knowledge, I could I can I see any unless it's in like a flash frame. There's nothing super obvious. Some of like the war battling stuff was in here, but there wasn't a Klingon ambassador with the knife sticking out of his heart um, in this episode. There wasn't anything super telegraphed. Telegraphed? That was weird. Super telegraphed. <laughs> You've been in America too many times. I genuinely have. It slips out. And it's writing as well. Writing in an American accent. I was like, Tell, what, what's wrong with telegraphed? I don't understand what, what's <laughs> telegraphed. wrong. Telegraphed. Anybody that knows I'm English will be Ian, you <laughs> dick. Commodore, anything yeah. else before we wrap this um, war up? Is the is the uh, bosun's whistle, is that a, a wink? Um is that like a, a wink to TOS, like how they would do that? In... Yeah, I okay. think it's just kind of ex- explaining something that didn't need to be explained. Okay. Like, All right. It happens on Picard's Enterprise as well. It happens on Kirk's Enterprise. You mm-hmm. don't see it, re- I don't think we see it anywhere other than on the Enterprise, which now, thank you, Strange New Worlds, we have to keep consistent, God help, any other ship that now does it, because you've now labeled it as a specifically Enterprise thing, tradition. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, they just make it futuristic. It's in like Star Trek Six as well. I'm pretty sure they blow the whistle when all of the and all of the Klingons come on in the undiscovered country and they all yeah. arrive. Which, yeah. by the way, you want to see this topic dealt with better? Watch the undiscovered country too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, very similar. Um, predictions. Let them die. Predictions? Yeah, my general prediction was that there was a war of some sort. I oh, think that shoot, turned out that yeah. turned out correctly. So there will be war and there mm-hmm. will be battle. Um, oddly specific, um, there will be a ginger person. Uh huh. Somebody said something about rolling out the red carpet. I assumed oh, that yeah. meant that there was wow. there was a redhead on on board. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to give you that, Aaron. Um, as much as I applaud you for Thank your you. stretching Thank of you. the english language and, of course, and of course. similes and, and analogies this. yeah no you still lose <laughs> next week i think you will be relieved to hear that it is the musical episode i this i uh, the back and forth of, of of this season has just been i don't know i i i don't i don't understand how this season was programmed but i'm, I'm looking forward <laughs> to a musical episode i will probably love it it's gotta be it's, i mean you've got a lot of talented singers in this cast as well mm. um okay with that thank you everybody for listening um i'm captain ian and i'm going to purge a transporter buffer <laughs> and i am ready for full contact <laughs> what a surprise live long and pods back thanks for listening Want to connect with the show? Our hailing frequencies are always open through captainspod at cinemasins.com. Like, comment, and subscribe on your podcast player of choice, and be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Okay, we have a lovely little email from Anthony Lackey. Hello there, sir. Um, it's just titled, I think you're great, and I Aww, like that. Well, that's not that's fair. A great title. Thank you, let's Anthony. Just, let's wrap yeah. it up. Yeah, thanks, Anthony. Amazing. Bye. Um, he says, uh, I love the podcast. I think it's pretty great. Um, I've had a love of Star Trek for my entire life. My earliest memories of it are from the TNG era during Sin Dashdication. Nice, Anthony. Oh, very like nice. That. Very nice. nice. We approve. Mm-hmm. You all have brought me many laughs and a great amount of critical exclamation on examination, not exclamation, although we do exclaim <laughs> at the same time. And on transporter, border, you know. Yeah, that? it's all of that stuff. 
he has a question, and I don't know. I don't think you'll be able to answer this at all, Aaron. <laughs> no, thanks. Um, thanks for your confidence, Ian. <laughs> I appreciate. Gonna... I appreciate how you see me. Do you have any favorite Star Trek video games that you've played? I'd be curious um, if you've played any of them, and which one is your favorite. Have you played any Star Trek video games in your uh, long story? I history? think this counts. Uh, the Next Generation Pinball Machine is incredible. Um, oh yes, it is. It is. No, it a, doesn't count. But yes, it's great. It doesn't count. That I guess. I don't know. With some of the stuff that's on the the screen, <laughs> it's not a video game. Th- those new pinball machines are video games. They are. They yeah. just have a big controller. Like the, yes. the controller to activate them is very big. Anyways, it's a really fun pinball machine. Fun enough that I think it constantly ranks in the top ten pinball machines uh, ever kind mm-hmm. of rankings. If you keep up yeah. on that, you know, every week I check does. the rankings. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Well, you still want to buy one, don't you? You're still like new to purchasing so expensive, one. Ian. The good ones yeah. are so expensive. Most of them are limited runs, and so that makes you know it even harder to get yeah. a hold of them. I do want a good pinball machine, um, but man, they are expensive. I have played I have played many Star Trek games. My go-to growing up, and I played the snot out of this game from the age of I'm gonna say thirteen to seventeen, like in that four-year period, I played this game so much, and it was Star Trek Voyager Elite Force. Now, this game, like I would I'm dying for them to reinvent something like this. It takes place on Voyager. So, but you're like part of this tactical team that is specifically sent in to do these really, really hard missions. What was great about it is that you could walk around a good chunk of the ship. So you'd go to like the transporter area, you'd go to like the engine to engineering to the bridge, you talk to Tuvok. They had a lot of like voice actors on there. But the best part of it was that it had this Halo style multiplayer game where you would just play and me and my brother would play this we would play against the computer and the computer would generate like a bunch of bad guys and you could pick your team so my elite force it was like me i'd have neelix in there two vox seven of nine and then i'd bring in like maybe some cannon fodder like uh, i don't know no neelix would be the cannon fodder i'll be honest but then you could choose who you played against as well so i would fight some borg i'd fight some klingons and you would have like this huge selection of weapons, like phasers and uh, Borg weapons, Romulan weapons, and it was just like what I wanted. Like it was pretty. It was all <laughs> nothing philosophical, just shooting people. Like it's it's not what Star Trek is about at all. But for me, it was like a Call Unless of Duty Halo episode. thing. No, Unless it's this episode. <laughs> There's a Generations PC tie-in game that was excellent as well. You played through the movie, but it was like parallel missions that weren't in the movie. And again, you had phasers, tricorders, you had to solve some mysteries. You would go into like stellar cartography and do the thing that Picard and Data do, where they blow up different stars to work out where the course of the Nexus would go. And you would change where it would go, go to that planet, investigate it, and see if you could apprehend Soren before he does his shit. Hey, you know what I need in my day-to-day life? What? A laptop. <laughs> oh, oh no! Do you really? Okay, what happened to the laptop? Well, no, I mean a dog knocked it off the table and and uh, shattered deliberately shattered the screen. Made eye contact with you. Yes, yes. And just knocked yeah. it off. The I table. said dog, not cat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. 
in this pup's exuberance uh, to want my attention. Um, got tangled up in the cords a little bit. <laughs> knocked it off the table. This, I mean, that laptop's been through a lot. It's pretty. It's a pretty sturdy laptop. It's one of the, the reasons I got it. But just in this case, it just hit the corner perfectly mm-hmm. or whatever. And so oh, perfectly. Yeah, yeah. So the the L C E O L E C D or whatever the screen, LED? yeah, <laughs> whatever the screens are the these VHS? days. Yeah. Uh, was cracked and uh, unreadable. Uh, so I plugged it into my uh, TV, you know, to make sure it was still working, that, the, you know, the, mm. the computer was still working. So I used it through my television for a while. So I'm sitting Indian style in front of my, you know, big TV in the living room uh, <laughs> doing work on my laptop with a little trackpad. Uh, That's amazing. And, and keyboard. This is the future, guys. This is this is this is how people <laughs> are going to be using back, laptops. Yes, cut back to me in the year two thousand uh, with my very first <laughs> giant gateway destination thirty-four yep. inch television, or no, forty-two inch television that was also a computer and watching videos on it and blowing people's minds. <laughs> I mean, I remember that that destination remote. It was kind of like it was a trigger remote in the there was like a mouse ball uh, on it for the, your thumb. So like you, you may can... as well be describing the first radio to me. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how remote controls work? No, I don't know what you're describing. <laughs> you don't know what a mouse ball is? Yeah. Okay. Well, like, yeah, I'm so, not picturing what you're saying. Like, the mouse like ball is on Like, top? you know, you hold a remote. Yeah. And so, but like, it has a mouse ball in it? Yeah, on the top for your thumb, like at the very top. So, actually, like some remotes have stick? this now. Like, the, the Apple remotes are like this. Apple remotes now do, like, the touchpad, like, move it around with your, your thumb kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, touchpad but, I get, but not rollerball. <laughs> okay, well, those that's what mouse, that's what the mices were <laughs> for computers for a long time were rollerballs. Did you not know yeah, that? Yeah, no, yeah, no oh, okay. I knew that. Oh, okay, knew, all Because right. at school, because they were really, really hard. Uh-huh. And you could take the ball out and just lug it at someone's yes, head. Yes, yes. Now I didn't, but I did receive the lugging. Yes, it's kind of you to aim yeah. for the head. Um, yes, because that was not where my classmates would aim for. Oh, oh no! <laughs> you got you, you played a game of mouse balls. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I can probably just replace the screen. I can I can probably figure this out. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I ordered a replacement screen. And replacing the screen was just going swimmingly. Uh, everything was working perfect. Took off the the bezel, came off exactly like I thought it would. Uh, used a, a hair dryer to loosen the glue for the screen, so the the, nice. the, the screen came off nicely. I had some um, tools that I used to you know pull that out. Screen I didn't came know off. you did any of this. I knew it was broken. I didn't know that you got this deep into trying to fix it. Yeah, rather yeah, rather than have somebody else to do something that's actually pretty plug and play, uh, I will do it myself. So, uh, so yeah, unplug the screen, put the new screen in, plug it in, and the computer won't start. Dog runs in and knocks it off the table again. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching a YouTube how to you know which is mm-hmm. uh what we do these days and the youtube how to according to my computer guy who i don't know why i didn't just call him in the first place mm-hmm. uh said it missed a, a very specific important step which is mm-hmm. anytime you do screen work you should un you should um take out the battery first 
just because there are some times in some cases where plugging something new into something like that will fry the the motherboard. Oh no! Which is what I did. So oh. I took the broken screen and I turned it into a fried motherboard. Which, if you know, <laughs> in laptops, uh, that just means new laptop. And I assume you're going to be suing the YouTube how-to video. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's this misconception that manufacturers design things to not be taken apart so that you have to buy something new. But it's also in their interest to make it repairable in some two ways. Different, two different uh, approaches, I think. Yeah. So if you're Apple, it's just a inbuilt obsolescence. Yes. Yeah. Definitely Apple's strategy has been to uh, not let people... Um, take apart their stuff. If you've ever seen yeah. the movie Steve Jobs, which if you haven't, you should. Uh, Sorkin's I have not. A, Sorkin's a genius. Um, you should watch it, but it really lays heavy into how much Jobs hated the idea of other people opening up his boxes and putting extra stuff in there. And so like, interesting. Is it the the idea that I've made this perfect product? How right. dare you yes, try to mod yes. it? Yes, it's the chef yeah. that's like, you want it without the sauce? What are you doing? <laughs> you know, like... You're adding salt? <laughs> Have you even tried it first? <laughs> Just recently got back into Minecraft. And the... Minecraft is such an incredible example of open source. I know it's been bought by Microsoft and commercialized, blah, 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 whatever. But it is, let's turn like kind of binary encoding into a game and just see what the world does with it. And just the shit that you can come up with in that game and the different permutations and add electricity to it as well. It's just, it's mind, it's mind boggling how much you don't have to develop a game and mm -hmm. just make it accessible and customizable yeah. and people will go crazy with it. I've never liked those kind of games, but I Not know enough guide rails for you. It's not so much about the guardrails as much as it is about, um, I guess guardrails maybe is an okay way to, to say it. I more like guide rails, like not like guiding you. Yeah, yeah. Like I want to know my objective and I want to do my objective, you know. Objective, the is, objective is to live, Aaron, and have fun. <laughs> yeah, Breath of the Wild ruins uh, Zelda games for me. Like I was just like, are you? I have to cook stuff? What are we even doing? <laughs> I have to find ingredients and in, in cook things? This is nonsense. Crafting? I'm crafting stuff? What is going on? All I wanted was the chest that went... Doo -doo 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 -doo. Thank you! Yes, I want to solve a puzzle in a room in a dungeon, and I want to find a chest that goes doodle-a-doo. What is the problem here? <laughs> I I love Breath of the Wild, and I, I love that because I'm, I'm such a Zelda nerd, but I will say... I have not completed Breath of the Wild because I'm hungry. And the next bit of the game that I have to do takes me somewhere where I, I need a lot of resources. And I just, I haven't got the mental wherewithal to build up my resources to survive this trip in the desert to get to the next thing. And I'm like, I'm sure I could smurf it. I could find a cheat or something, but... I kind of also just want to do this next bit of the game without having to cook dinner. Thank you! <laughs> yes! Enough of that in my real life. I get it. I hear you, Aaron. I see you. So I'm happily enjoying Pikmin um, because it is the kind of game I love. It's so funny that the, the newest Pikmin, um, I, I want to get this right. Uh, I think it's a uh, Japanese art of organization. Organization, that's... There's a word for it. It's like door or something. I want to get this right. Door. Door Mamu. Dora. The Explorer? Let's say Doragami. 
<laughs> Let's not. Dandori. Dandori uh, is this Japanese term that rough, uh, roughly translates to group formation or team formation. It's the idea of breaking up individual tasks so that they are best uh, accomplished by individual groups or teams. And this is a key central component of my brain. Like when I heard this term and what it meant, I was like, there it is. Dandori. (laughs) That's what I do. That's why those are my spreadsheets. Those are my, the the way I like to do efficiency. (laughs) 